Today we're here with Hope Pavich from uh, Care for Friends, which is a local, uh, you know, food, you could say soup kitchen in a way, um, that uh, I started volunteering here uh, in the Lakeview area. And a lot of cool volunteers that I met there as well enjoy um, the opportunity to go there and, and have that space be uh, such a chill space because probably because you're so cool, Hope. Um, you're very, there's a certain ambiance there, which I think is the whole point of the place, mm -hmm. which is that it's very open and accepting. There's not like too many rules, you know, like, unfortunately, sometimes I have, I show up a little late, but like, I know I'm not like, oh, how dare you? Like, it's like, yeah, hey, exactly. thanks for coming and share, just thanks for coming, sharing a little bit of your time. And, you know, anyone who comes to the volunteer, there's always, you always put us to work somehow. Exactly. You know? like, there's always something to do. Either we're making like, um, you know, we're making some uh, trail mix for next week or yeah. something like there's something right. that can be done. So it's it's really uh, refreshing. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks for joining. We And today you made um, the delicious tuna and chicken concoction, which was a huge hit. And yeah. I know we'll be asked for again. Well, yeah, I so... guess it's our backup protein source. Yeah. So if you, if you apply it, drain it with the right spices and stuff. And with some salad and some some carbs, yeah, it's apparently people like it. So yeah. now we have a good backup for that. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope so. Typically, we uh, we you know we kind of treat it like a mini biography. So mm -hmm. um, love to start with yeah your story. Like where were you born? I was born in the south suburbs. Well, I was actually born in Northwestern, so I was born in Chicago technically, but I grew up in the south suburbs and. Um, was there pretty much in the same house for 17 years until I went off to college um, outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin, small, small liberal arts school. And I majored in international studies. And uh, my junior year, I ended up uh, studying abroad in Austria, which was awesome. I really enjoyed that experience, but when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to throw myself in a culture that I felt safe in, but was 180 degrees from anything I had ever knew or learned or anything like that. And so I spent a year after graduation living in China, living in rural China, kind of in South Central, in a province called Hunan. And um, it was a very interesting, very, very interesting year. So. I was teaching kind of the equivalent to sophomores in high school. I was teaching them English. Um, and I really enjoyed working with youth. I really enjoyed working with that age group. Um, and so that was a very impactful experience for me. I really enjoyed the whole experience of meeting new people, learning a different culture, being a complete, like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, so living in a rural area, period, was new. And living in rural China was definitely, yeah. definitely new. Um, when I came back, um, I started working for an organization called the Bridges from School to Work. So it's this foundation that's actually from the Marriott Corporation. Um, one of their sons had, I believe he had, um, he was blind, I believe. Um, and so one of the Marriott brothers decided to start this foundation for people with um, mostly youth with disabilities. So I worked with, again, high school students um, in Chicago public high schools uh, that had learning disabilities, um, cognitive delays, that kind of thing. Um, and so that was really, that was very eye-opening as well. Um, and so I ended up going to grad school in Vermont and focused on conflict transformation with a concentration in survivor or in human trafficking and i spent my off-campus year in taiwan working with survivors of human trafficking in taiwan um, going to detention centers where a lot of them were staying um, and being held until they could prove that they were able to go and to leave and to go home um, and so all of these experiences really um, lent itself to my passion for social services and to really get involved with that kind of work. 
And when I came back home from Taiwan, I really wanted to focus on um, human trafficking, anti-trafficking efforts, that kind of thing. But the majority of positions that were available were for um, were uh, lawyers, which I was not. And so I ended up doing cultural exchange for about seven years, which I enjoyed, but I never felt like I never was completely fulfilled with that. So I was always keeping my eye open for opportunities that kind of really gelled with what I was looking for until I found this position at Care for Friends, which working with a whole range of populations and age groups and abilities and a lot of personalities. Um, and it's just been great. Yeah. So what's the mission of Care for Friends? So we provide services to people who are experiencing homelessness and food insecurity without any document, you know, no documentation is needed. So we really look at, okay, what are some barriers to people accessing the services that are technically available to them? And so for a good example of that is when you come into Care for Friends, we don't ask for any documentation. We don't ask them to sign anything. We just in, welcome them and say, you know, have a seat, that kind of thing. Whereas a lot of other places will ask for documentation, will ask you to sign in. And that is enough of a barrier for a lot of guests to say, I don't feel comfortable. Whatever reasons there are, they don't feel comfortable accessing those services because of that requirement. And so we eliminate that and we allow people to just come in, have a good meal, you know, take some groceries and that kind of thing. So we really focus on providing services without barriers. Yeah, that's great. I was actually, just before we got here, I was watching that uh, documentary, uh, Street Life, mm -hmm. Cases yeah. Uncovered. Right, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it was a Chicago-based documentary, very eye-opening, you know, a lot of discussion about, you know, the source of homelessness and what can we do about it. Um, and I think the hope, I mean, Care for Friends is like kind of the first step is like more of these centers where people can go without judgment. Mm -hmm. Because I, I remember one time I was volunteering you guys and I met the guy who was going around the tables um, offering vaccinations and he mm -hmm. was like over 80% of people are vaccinated and I was like that's impressive to me that like mm -hmm. everyone here is like most most people are getting their vaccinations yeah um, and that's like because they felt safe in that space um, and then we you know once they're in the space there's a lot of things you can offer to people mm -hmm. um, that they, they're more open to take up right yeah um, so yeah, so in, how, how long ago did you start at Care for Friends? Two and a half years. So it's a really easy date because it was January 2nd of 2019. So I just jumped okay. right into it. Started yeah. the new year off with a new job. And, um, and that's exactly right. You know, we see ourselves as a community hub where people can come, hang out, relax, access the services they need, whether it be vaccines, clothing, food, um, connections to jobs, connections to housing, um, without a lot of pressure. You know, we really try to make it available and known, but without forcing it down, you know, like you have to take this, you have to take this to get a better life. Because who's, you know, what's it for us to say is this is going to improve your life. But we really try to have a whole range of supports that they can, you know, use to make differences and make changes in whatever they're going through. Do you think there'll ever be a day where we don't have like any homeless living out on the street at night? I don't think so. I think, you know, w to eliminate homelessness completely everywhere, I just don't think is, I don't think is possible for a few reasons. Um, one, affordable housing, depending on where you're living, um, it just doesn't exist. And so without affordable housing, you're actually seeing an increase of people experiencing homelessness. What that may look like is a bit different. You know, it could be people who are couch hopping, known as doubled up. Um, or it could be people that we see at Care for Friends often, which are people experiencing street-based homelessness. Um, but to just eliminate it, I, I, we really need to be focusing more on affordable housing in order to expand the options for people who are living paycheck to paycheck or living um, a minimum wage or working at a minimum wage job. Um, because without those options, they have the street, they have a friend's couch, they have that kind of thing. Um, and then you also have, there are some folks who, and I wouldn't, I would not put this into the, the a big reason whatsoever, but it will always exist, that there are some people who would prefer to live kind of on the fringe of society and live outside. Um, 
and that's kind of what they were how they refer themselves is just people who live outside rather than homeless because there's a there's an idea in your head of what homeless looks like but for some people they choose just to to live outside like camper camper kind of yeah exactly (laughs) exactly precisely Uh Uh, what was that movie this summer you see that um where it was like in a it was like in the the west uh oh oh uh with francis mcdormand yeah yeah, right yeah it'll come to us yeah exactly anyway yeah i watched uh, some of that and they were just like yeah they just wanted to camp and and I'd be on the fringe. So, um, you know, that's I, that's fine and all. I, I guess that preference, though, is that is there any way that we can help just like, what, I mean, a job is a great way to give someone dignity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ways we can like help give people dignity to like want more out of life? I mean, housing is, is number one, yeah. you know, the housing first model, because if you have a job, but you are moving from place to place, it's a lot harder for you to keep a yeah. consistent job. So focusing on housing first and having some place where you can go home, have that sense of stability. Foundation. Exactly, yeah. have that foundation. Um, and have a place to create for yourself um, is, is huge for um, your identity. Right. And, and contributing to that identity is contributing to your dignity. Um, and then being able to say, okay, I have a job. Okay, great, this is working out for me. I'm stable, I have this great foundation. Now I want to maybe have a different job. I, I don't want to have to be forced into a job. I want to be able to choose jobs. Like we have the ability to choose what, where we work and how we work and what we do. There's a lot of people who don't have that option, who don't have those opportunities. Um, and so giving them that foundation of housing and then having a job will really set them off on an, a path for improved circumstances. Yeah. So people who get into these affordable housings, like what does that look like? Is it... Is it ever where some people are have a complete shock of like, wow, like this is all an empty place and I've never like had to furnish my own place before and yeah. I'm just like kind of in shock and there's like so quiet and I'm used to like all this ac- action on the street, like, like I don't want to be here. So like, is there a way we can like help decorate people's homes? Like, yeah. I think that's a big thing. Like that's, a, that's I, how often do people move into affordable housing and then just like leave it because they don't like it? Yeah, I don't know what the rates are on that, but it's not so high because for the most part, people who are able to get into affordable housing have a social worker or have a caseworker who don't just leave once they get into their apartment or wherever they're staying. They're there for a year, sometimes two years after they're in that space to really prevent that from happening. So saying, okay, what are what are those un- the discomfort and the change that you're, you're going through? If it's that, they're like, okay, let's solve that. Let's, let's address that. Um, there's a great organization called Chicago Furniture Bank that is exclusively for people who are getting out of homelessness and getting their first place. And they just can go and choose the furniture that they want to furnish their place. And so that in itself is, is huge because like you said, you don't want to go to a spot and just like hang out in an empty room. Like that's depressing too, (laughs) you know? Um, and a lot of times we'll have guests who are regulars at Care for Friends who were on the street and homeless and have gotten um, sustained housing and have been there for years, but they'll still come back to care for friends because of the community they met there. And so that's a big piece of it too. It's just like, we're kind of the, we sandwich that middle part where they get the housing. We're there for them, try to connect them to housing partners when they first come in. And then we're there for them once they get housing and once you know they have that foundation for them to come back and still have that community and that, you know, those friendships. A lot of the guys that you see talking today, they met each other at these meals. So um, there's a lot of different ways for them to, you know, for people who are coming out of homelessness into um, into housing, into a totally different situation to kind of maintain maintain certain things that were working before. Yeah, they still need a social life. Exactly. Uh, so, so for example, the, most of the affordable housing, like how far are people coming to come to care for friends or like where where's most of this housing that they're being um set up with well a lot of the guys actually um come from uptown because or up north because uh the lakefront path is an easy mm-hmm. way to get all the way down um so we have people who come from logan square people from uptown edgewater um a few guys grew up in lincoln park and they just don't want to leave even though it's the prices are astronomically high um, so a lot of those guys are still kind of in the park or, you know, on the street. Um, but the affordable housing is more out west and more up north. 
Um, we tend to not have a lot of people coming from the south side only because um, there's not an easy way to get there unless you're taking the bus or the train. But if you don't have a venture pass, you don't have a way to you know access the transportation, you know walking is your way. They can get access to to other um, similar places um, on the south side. Um, but with the grocery program that we started, I don't know if I told you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I helped yeah. load in the car one time. Right. Yeah, exactly. So with the grocery program, we've connected with a lot of organizations and schools in High Park, Garfield Park, um, Englewood. And so even though we're our brick and mortar is in Lincoln Park, we're really trying to expand the reach of who and where we can support. And so the grocery program has been a really effective way of doing that because we're connecting with these different schools and different partners and getting the groceries from Care to Friends out to places where they not necessarily would have access to the groceries delivered to them like that. The delivery piece of that is really crucial. Again, eliminating barriers because if you're trying to get to the food bank but have no way of bringing all that food back to wherever you're staying, you're going to choose your 7-Eleven and your corner store because mm -hmm. you can just grab it and go. But if you have someone who's actually delivering healthy groceries to wherever you're staying, that's great. Then barrier eliminated. You know, yeah. you have that, that you have that food right there. And we incorporate all of these recipes and ways to kind of make that food interesting or exciting if they are not used to certain ingredients because we don't want to just give them food and waste it. We want them to use it and eat it and get that nutrition. And so, again, kind of eliminating the barrier of, I don't know how to use this, by using those recipes and including maybe can openers if they don't have it or, or things like that. Um, and so even though we're brick and mortar in Lincoln Park, whew, we're kind of spread throughout the city, which is fun. Yeah, there's a big impact you can yeah. have. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, in, it's so important uh, power of healthy food to just change your mindset sometimes. Um, where do you get most of your donations from? So we are a Chicago, Greater Chicago Food Depository Agency, so we get a ton of food from them. We are also, we also just get a lot of just individual donations. And then um, a big part of my work is writing grants to get funding for all of these programs. And so this year we actually got a $20,000 grant from Canagra Foundation specifically for the grocery program. Mm. So, um, and that'll go to food, that'll go to delivery drivers, that'll go to, a lot of it goes to packaging. There's just a lot of money that goes into that. Um, so yeah, we have a, a variety of different ways to, to, to fund and get those donations. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of rich people out there who are trying to figure out how to help the world. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's kind of a very important skill then that you have. And so you've, how many grants have you applied for and gotten in your life? Like a, quite a few? I just started writing grants when I got What does it mean writing job? grants? It means like a proposal? Or yeah, like... exactly. So every grant application is a little bit different, but for the most part, you're telling the story, right? You're telling the story of need and you're telling the story of what your solution to that problem is. Um, and so some grants are just give us a couple pages. Some are a lot more in depth. So there might be a grant that I'll work on for, like Canagra I worked on for about a month, whereas others I'll just do it in a day that kind of thing. Um, and so that's what it means for writing. So it's really, it's like a cover letter. Like if, if you're a really good writer, you can get the money. Like, I mean, because you're articulating properly what's the situation. And also, you know, if, if you're that articulate, they trust that you can, you know, apply the, the, fund, the funds properly. You know? Run the program. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think there's a huge impact you can have there. There's a, that's a big part of it. Other part of it is networking. Now, there's a lot of relationships that you have to make in order to get that funding. So we have, yes, articulating the problem and the solution. That's about, I would say, 60% of it. 40% of it is, do you have a connection at any of those foundations? Do you have a connection with... Um, any of those grant makers. Um, if you do, that will always increase your chances of getting the grant. If you don't, you don't. So, you know, trying to constantly make those connections, nurture those relationships, making sure people are aware, not only am I telling you about a problem and a solution, but in practice, it's working. Like, this is what we're doing. So inviting people in, come check out what we're doing, volunteer with us, that kind of thing. Um, so, but I started writing, or I started writing grants about two and a half years ago when I started. So before this, 
I had never, I'd never done a grant before. So I also learned on the job kind of how to yeah. do that. So where are these grants coming from? Like what big foundations are like leading the charge of like giving out money? Yeah. So MacArthur foundation is huge. And, um, last year we actually got a matching grant. They, because of COVID, they were doing some phenomenal funding. So they were doing employee, employee matching, but five times matching. So it was, uh, so one of their employees gave us 5k. So we ended up getting 25k. Wow. Yeah, it was a great day. <laughs> um, I was like looking at it. And I was like, is this right? Um, it was and it was awesome. Um, Chicago Community Trust is another massive foundation. Um, and Polk Brothers is another massive foundation in Chicago. Um, we haven't gotten anything from Polk Brothers, but I don't know if I've ever applied through Polk Brothers, so that could be why. Um, Chicago Community Trust also has something called the Young Leaders Fund. So it's, um, it's a, a sub-board of the board of directors of Chicago Community Trust um, that's young um, professionals. Um, and they give out grants too. So we, and they give out grants to smaller organizations because the MacArthur, um, the Chicago Community Trust typically fund massive organizations and can, you know, Care for Friends is not massive. There's three of us. Um, and so the Young Leaders Fund of Chicago Community Trust gave us a grant last year for our foot clinic. So it's just about researching and keeping your ear open and and just applying to basically anything you see that we fall under. So I am most always, at least once a week, writing some sort of grant, working on some sort of grant, just to continue to keep that cash flow yeah. <laughs> coming in. So where are you buying all the all the groceries and stuff? Um, so there's a place called, um, it's basically like, uh, what is it, like Sam's Club, but it's not, it's called Jetro. And so that's where a lot of restaurants go to get all of their food. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a massive, massive, massive warehouse of food. And it's a little, it's more discounted than say Sam's club or, uh, what's that other Costco. one? Costco. Yeah. Um, and same thing, you have to have a membership. So that kind of thing. And then there are days that we'll just go down the street to big apple and just get like, oh, I need some you know, avocado for guacamole. So we'll just get that. Um, but yeah, it's mostly, it's mostly Dutch row. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And they deliver or you go there and pick no, it up? No, you have to go there. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole shopping experience. People have gotten lost in there. It's very, very large. Yeah. Very big. A lot of restaurants are using them. Uh-huh. Um, so this team of three, uh, who is it that runs this place? So it's myself. And then we have Chevelle, who is our peace officer. And he also does haircuts. He's a trained barber. So um, he also offers haircuts to our guests on a monthly basis. Sometimes awesome. twice a month. It is awesome, and he's great at it, and the guests love it. Um, and then we also have Paulina, who is our volunteer coordinator, who, as the title would suggest, coordinates volunteers and gets new groups in, and um, on, especially on Saturdays, but also throughout the week, um, you know, coordinates the, the volunteers, trains them, um, makes sure that everyone has something to do while yeah, they're there. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. yeah. So how many days a week is it open? So we are open three days a week on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Um, my office hours are Monday through Friday, so I do not go in on Saturdays unless need be. Yeah. So that's nice. It is. Yes, it is. During COVID, I went in every Saturday um, because our volunteer coordinator at the time was high risk, so we couldn't have her coming in, and so it was myself, Chevelle, and one volunteer who basically made the meals and um, distributed them all throughout COVID. So up until September, um, yeah, up until September, I was doing all the, the Saturdays. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll still come in. But yeah, I like to I like to have my weekend, so. Yeah, no, yeah. So you gotta have some uh, rest, you know? Yeah. Um, so when, during COVID, what, uh, were you guys closed down for a while or what, mm -hmm. what happened? Always open with we masks and stuff? Always open. So what we did was we just took everything, um, the foot clinic, the, the, the haircuts, the food, um, the pantry items, everything, we just flipped it into the parking lot. Mm. So we had all of that, all the hot meals going, um, and we just distributed in the parking lot. Um, and we didn't have tables because that would have been a huge endeavor to bring out tables. And then so um, the guests would just plop down in 
the parking spot or on the grass um, and just hang out. Have you yet had um, one of uh, one of the guests turn into a volunteer? Yeah, actually, um, we've had a couple. We've had a couple. We've had a handful, I would say. Um, and one of the big success stories would be um, he's uh, he's not feeling well, so that's why you haven't seen him. But he was a he was on the streets for like ten years, and he connected with one of the volunteers, and he ended up. Um, yeah, getting housing with her support and um, ended up working actually at the church and at Care for Friends for a while. It was who was in Chevelle's position before. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but we're always, we love when guests come back and volunteer and, you know, kind of a mutual aid type of situation. Like, we want that to happen. So, yeah, always. always yeah. So, what's, uh, what's next up for you? How long do you think you'll be uh, at Care for Friends? Well, we have a very big project on the horizon, which is not only to continue to grow this new grocery program, but we're also in the middle of a capital campaign, which is uh, doing a lot of fundraising for a new building. So we're planning on tearing down the building that we are currently in today and uh, building a new one. So and you're like in a church, like kitchen kind of like side gathering area. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so that building was uh, erected about a hundred, over a hundred years ago, well, way over a hundred years, probably 150 years ago. Um, and it was built as a temporary solution. So that building was only supposed to be temporary. It was not supposed to be used for 150 years. And so there's a lot of problems with it. Um, so we actually got a grant from the state of Illinois for capital improvements, Care for Friends did, um, for $3 million. And the building project itself will be about seven million. So we're doing it in collaboration with the church to um, raise the rest of it and build a community center. So I'm going to stick around for as long as at least that project is completed. That's so quite a big project. It uh, is. It's going to take a couple years. So I'm not going anywhere for a couple years. Well, you guys are like kind of, kind of not new agey, but like. I remember my first time in there and there was like Mac Miller was on the TV yeah, yeah. and I was like, wow, like, what is this? Yeah. So I'm excited what you guys come up with. Do you have any exciting designs or ideas for this community center? Yeah. I mean, the design, the architects are already working on it, so it'll be, um, you know, we're, we're trying to make it as green as possible, but it'll be three levels and um, the middle level will be more of a dining you know like a, an event space upstairs will be kind of a room for classrooms or you know any kind of training rooms or mm. that kind of thing and the downstairs will be for care for friends with the big kitchen the eating area um we're hoping to have showers down there um laundry down there so yeah and then really use it for any kind of community event that there might be so just exciting to have a space be multi-purpose and that's really kind of the focus on on the building so yeah cool cool so how can uh each average person maybe living in chicago how can they help with the with the homeless problem like maybe you know they can find time to volunteer maybe some people are really busy maybe they can donate right i mean what's what do you say is like the best way someone can help you think well i I think first they have to figure out what they're comfortable with majorly. That's a huge important thing. Cause if you start volunteering in a capacity in which you're not comfortable, you're not going to continue doing it. You'll do it once or twice and then stop. And so I think kind of figuring out like, okay, what makes sense to me? For instance, me, me, me hope I am a, I, I like interacting with the guests. I like, um, you know, spending time with them. So if I was looking for a volunteer opportunity, it would be, um, something that we call social support, which is basically just that, sitting down with the guests, talking to them, giving them an opportunity to interact in a positive way. And a lot of our guests don't have that. Um, and so that's a great opportunity for someone who just wants to support someone who might be experiencing food insecurity or homelessness and have incredible loneliness because of that. Um, if you're looking for, if you're someone who is more, um, political and really in you know feels comfortable on the phone or you know talking about certain um aspects of homelessness and affordable housing i would tell them to look at opportunities with um chicago coalition for the homeless 
Um, they do a ton of advocacy right now, and they have something called the Bringing Chicago Home Campaign, which is focused on getting um, revenue from the city to go towards affordable housing. And so if you're someone who, okay, I don't really want to leave my home, but I want to help out, you could jump on a phone bank with them um, and really work on um, getting alderman's ears. Um, same thing with letter writing, that kind of thing. Um, if you're into cooking, cooking, yeah. you, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, and if you don't have time, in, but you have lots of money, donating is always the best way to go about it. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, the organization itself has a very good idea of how that money can be spent efficiently um, and have it go to a, a good a good purpose. Um, so yeah, I would say there's a, a variety of ways to get involved and support the cause, but it's more about, um, stepping back and figuring out for yourself, okay, what, what am I going to enjoy doing that will make me consistently look forward to this kind of opportunity rather than something I just feel like I have to, cause I want to, I want to do something like it should be, should be both ways. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. So do you guys have like a monthly donation program or something like that? Oh yeah, definitely. We absolutely do, and you just would go to www.careforfriends.org, and um, you could just choose the monthly donation, boop, pop it in, and that's nice. it. Nice. Yeah, I do yeah. that in my Miami shelter. Um, they made it pretty easy, too. Uh, so, have you ever had a, an organization, I mean, I, I, I was intrigued by the whole uh, the company matching times five thing. Yeah. Have you ever had, a? have you considered maybe pitching the companies matching their employee donations on a monthly basis? So not on a monthly basis, but, um, but that would be actually great. Um, <laughs> that's a great idea. Um, we have organizations like again, Canagra, um, a lot of companies, uh, BP, they do, um, employee matching or volunteer matching. So they'll say, okay, if you volunteered X amount of hours, we'll donate. X amount of, you know, maybe $10 an hour to that organization or whatever. Um, but that's a good idea. I should talk to some of the volunteers who have that connection to those companies. It wouldn't they, hurt just to ask like, Hey, yeah. HR. So I donate monthly. And I was wondering if you yeah. guys would consider matching like, on a monthly basis. That's times a five. great idea. You got to ask for it. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Maybe they'll come back and be like, no, times, no. <laughs> times two, times two. Like done. I'll take but, it. Like, they're probably not going to be just be like, no. I mean, it depends what kind of company and what kind of values they have. Right. But, you know, probably some way their their tax guru accountant guy can write it off as a exactly. tax, you know, free whatever subsidy. Whatever. I mean, there's ways to, um, yeah. So I think that could be something just to maybe just email your monthly donators and be like, hey, we're, you know, consider asking your employer to, to match it. That's a great idea. How yeah. many monthly donators do you have? We have about... 55 so something we obviously want to increase as well yeah. um but that's a good place to start and that is a fantastic idea so thank you there you go yeah. um yeah so i also saw that uh i was on the website checking it out um there was this event called the sleep out where oh, people yeah. slept outside in the cold yeah did you also do that yeah i do everything <laughs> everything that you see i'm a part of um you know there's three of us so uh, yes, so that is our biggest fundraiser of the year, and that happens in February. And we choose February because it tends to be one of the coldest, definitely the coldest months. Um, and we usually land on one of the coldest days of the year as well. And it's to raise awareness and empathy, as well as funds, obviously, for addressing homelessness in Chicago. Um, and so we, from 7 p.m. until about 7 a.m. the next morning, we sleep outside. And it's incredibly cold, which I... I'm very, I don't like, but that's the whole idea, right? It's to be uncomfortable yeah. for that long. And then it's kind of like um, the Chicago Marathon where you say, I'm racing for this cause, you know, you know, sponsor me, you know, pay me $5 or $10 or $100, whatever the case might be. So we say, you know, I'm sleeping out for um, Care for Friends. Um, and then that particular sleeper will raise money in that way. So people will just donate to that particular sleeper who will then obviously donate the rest to, to care, all of it yeah. to Care for Friends. That, yeah, that just seems a little, little different than... It's like, because I, I fundraised for Back of My Feet before and mm -hmm. like for the marathon, I'm doing it this year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, I'm running for this. But it's like one thing is like, I guess you're suffering and it's the same thing. Like they're both suffering. I guess one is like a little more 
yeah, I'm going to support you running. And one's like, I'm going to support you sleeping in the cold. Oh, yeah. Which is like a little weird to ask people. It's like, will you support me sleeping in the cold? Like, <laughs> it's like kind of like interesting to ask, no? Yeah, it's about, you know, focusing on the awareness aspect of, okay, why are you doing this? Oh, I'm yeah. doing this because of, you know, homelessness in Just the city of Chicago. It and... Exactly. And for me to be a part of this organization, to volunteer, to work, to be on the board of, um, to having that one night a year to really feel that feel that experience of what a lot of our guests feel on a daily basis um, is important. You know, it's a hard night. It's a very hard night for a variety of reasons, but um, physically it's a hard night. What was it like? It's a hard Did you night. have a fire going? Or? We have a campfire going. Um, we have a couple of fire pits. We keep that going. Um, and it's just kind of hanging out. I mean, were you able to sleep much? Or? So everybody has a different approach, which is the same thing to people who are, you know, experiencing street-based homelessness. They have a different approach to how they how they live some people would just stay up all night i can't do that i'd rather just go to sleep and be unconscious <laughs> than be awake just pop a ton and of mellies right i'm just yeah <laughs> just hanging out and i'm gonna go right to bed um i also am a very solid sleeper so around 10 o'clock just wrap myself up and layering 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 and then um basically once the sun starts to come up that's when i that's when i wake up but it's still i mean you're at lip it's a very hard, very cold ground, and that's just you're, you're not getting a good sleep. It's not like you wake up refreshed, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you wake up feeling like need... crap. All right. So I also checked on. Uh, there's one article about you. So I, you did you talk about this experience that you had with um, was it Green Heart Travel? It's like youth, uh, you know, programs. Mm -hmm. That was the cultural exchange. That was the Taiwan or uh, No, that was the cultural exchange organization that I worked at between Taiwan and Care for mm -hmm. Friends. So I was there for almost seven years. I was there for a long time. Well, you skipped right over that. So that was intrigued me quite a bit because uh, I have this dream. Um, so like, you know, the podcast is one thing, but like mm -hmm. I also have, you know, I have quite a bit of free time and. I do, uh, I have a sales job right now and I'm pretty good at cold calling, so that's one of my skills. Like, and I can see myself fundraising eventually and for different causes, but one thing that I'm passionate about is travel mm -hmm. because I had an amazing opportunity to travel a lot when I was a kid. And I think a lot of the problems in society come from lack of openness mm -hmm. and lack of travel, lack of opportunity to see the world and, and kind of elevate your, your dignity, but also your respect for others. So I think I have this dream uh, starting this like nonprofit called uh, Magic School Bus, uh -huh. where we start with like sports programs. So basically we start with like these um, basically like soccer leagues and mm -hmm. baseball, softball leagues, like basically in kind of like inner city areas. They're not like these expensive overblown travel programs. Like we're, we're sticking with like these little leagues that, you know, they, they just love sports. And then my job, I would love to like ask like star athletes to be like, hey, do you want to sponsor a little league team to go to like Spain and play or or go to like Dominican or like, yeah, so like basically yeah. have pro athletes sponsor little kid teams yeah. to travel in the summer and go mm -hmm. to like a tournament. Mm -hmm. So then we would organize like soccer tournaments all over the country, baseball tournaments, basketball tournaments. Yeah, that's great. And then we basically have all these kids meet and have a chance to travel. Yeah. And it would be like funded by all the sport, all the, all like the pro athletes. Yeah. I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. I think so it's great. I'm like waiting until the next summer to like kick it off because I, I need some time. But I think summer will probably be the best time to like do that. Mm -hmm. And it would, you know, with COVID right now, it's tough to like international travel and stuff. Right. still tough. Yeah. But, uh, so that's why I'm not like in a rush about it, the mm -hmm. idea. But like your background and we were talking today about how much, you know, recently you love soccer, right? You've been yeah. playing with your fiance, yeah. Chicago Fire Rec League. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because uh, one of the guests in Miami, um, basically Anna, her daughter, um, and she, uh, she, she, we were talking about, um, she loves soccer so much and they're, they're Spanish. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you got to like talk to Beckham and you got to get this Spanish league, you got to get these kids over and playing soccer in Spain like this yeah. summer and I was like whoa 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 like, <laughs> yeah I'm like I, I just I just told her about my idea to like expose kids to more travel to help the world like <laughs> yeah. grow itself and she was just like you got to get this soccer team over there now and I was like ah, I don't know <laughs> so anyway your uh yeah your love of soccer made me like wow I think hope you also would be great to like work with on this project um yeah I mean I love both of those things 
sports as well as travel. So yeah. Yeah. So what what else is not, we're at that point in the podcast? Start talking about Chicago a little bit. Um, so you've been here quite a while. Yeah. Um, you lived in many different parts of the city. I have. Yeah, I've lived in. Let's see. Okay, this is always fun to think think back. So when I moved back from China, I lived in Roscoe Village. I lived there for a year. Then I moved to Lakeview, uh, and I lived on Addison in Lakeshore, and um, I loved that area. Um, it was right on obviously the lake and right off of uh, right off of Broadway. Then I moved to. Uh, that's when I moved to Vermont and then Taiwan and then. I moved to the Loop. I lived in the Loop for two years. Oh, three years, which is weird. Most people don't live in the Loop. Um, but it was cool. It was very conveniently located to the Clark L stop. Um, then I lived in West Town. Then I lived in... Wait, where did I go from there? Then I lived in Irving Park. And then I moved to Albany Park, which is where wow. I am. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So have you noticed any like really classic, authentic local businesses that... like? you just respect the most now or yeah okay so i can't think back to roscoe but let's see in west town there was i just loved that because i lived basically in ohio right off of ashland um but now i think probably there's a lot of places that are that are that are gone from there um but in um unabridged bookstore which is on broadway i loved that um i loved that store um but right now in Albany Park, I'm really focused on kind of like the hyper local. So within a few blocks of where we're staying. Um, so there's a ton of cool places um, within that area. So there's a lot of different cultures that live in Albany Park. And so that really is conducive, obviously, to a great restaurant scene that's not expensive. So you've got a great Serbian restaurant called Beograd Cafe. Um, you've got a great Cuban restaurant that a lot of the Cuban Cubs players go to because it's the restaurant that most reminds them of food from home called Mima's Cuban Cuisine. Um, you've got um, a cool brewery called Twisted Hippo, which is the first place um, that kind of did away with tips and pays their wait staff, um, you know, an actual living wage as well as benefits. Um, and also the beer is really good. Um, and then you have one of the oldest bars in the city called Montreux Saloon, and they do live music every night, and mm. um, it's li- it's just a straight up bar. So they have a great beer garden. They have um, they have uh, an indoor spot too, obviously, um, but you can bring food in from from other places. Um, and then there's a bunch of like Colombian chicken places that are in that area too. Um, and then going up Kedzie. There's a great restaurant called Semiramis, um, which is uh, Persian cuisine. And um, yeah, you just kind of keep crawling through the neighborhood and you're just wow. like hitting all these awesome joints. Um, and then um, I live really close to a massive park, which is not really well known. You hear obviously of um, Humble Park, the park itself. Um, but the park by me is called Horner Park and it's, it's huge. It goes from all the way from Irving to Montrose. Um, and spans probably going um, east to west, probably about three city blocks, I would say. It's got eight baseball fields, tennis courts, soccer field, um, uh, obviously basketball courts, uh, a track, um, a hill. I mean, it's got tons of stuff in there. And so that's always a cool place to go to because there's always families and just groups of people that go and hang out and, you know, bring picnics or, you know, family parties or whatever. Um, there's just a lot of life in that area, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been in Albany park now for almost five years, so that's why my memory is fresh on all those no, places. Yeah, Cause I live, I live them. It's great. I have to do our walk over there. Um, we do like our walks once a month, kind of explore different areas, yeah. like a photo contest. Cool. Um, yeah. Coming up this Saturday too. So yeah, it's quite a variety of uh, food you mentioned there. Yeah. What's like your your regular diet like? Are you, like actually no, I pivot even, even more broadly. What's like? Yeah. What what is like? What do you, do you like to eat the most? Um. Well, let's see. Right now, I'm focusing on food that just makes me feel good. Um. And so I usually kick off the day with a solid protein shake. Um. The lunches is kind of funny because. I was eating a lot of leftovers from work, but we don't really have any 
and now and I also just wanted to take more control instead of just like yeah I'll have whatever um so I've been doing it's called daily harvest actually so it's one of those like mail you know like food subscription mm. things um but it's easy because I can just eat it and I know it's healthy and it's good you know tastes healthy which you know pros and cons um but basically you know your your basic like salmon chicken I mostly we're, we're mostly focused on the fish um, but since Christian, my fiance is from Spain, the treats are jamon. So like we have a whole jamon leg in our kitchen. I mean, <laughs> like huge, huge. Um, and, uh, he makes great paella and fidoa and all those great Spanish. But yeah, my, my diet's pretty. Sounds pretty good. I mean, it's uh, pretty boring, honestly, but yeah. on the weekends, you know, yeah, like yeah, every yeah. once in a while, like Thai food, right? Of course I'm going to go for pad Thai what or something like that. What is What is that from? Where Serbian. That? Serbian? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, that's what Saturdays are for. So, mm-hmm. what is the one uh, hope secret to uh, a good, uh, a good, uh, how you say, a uh, good mindset? So, like, what's the, do you have any like any good like uh, morning mantras or or habits, morning habits? Is there anything that you can uh, share with us? Well, I'm a morning person, and I'm I'm very appreciative of that because I see people who struggle who are not morning people, and I feel bad because that's sucks that's a sucky way to start every day is by thinking like Ugh. um so i'm usually awake between anywhere between 4 30 to 5 30 yeah i'm an early i'm an early riser um and so on tuesdays and thursdays um it's because i'm working out at five and so i kind of just go work out then come back um so working out is always like the first thing um mondays um I run to work, that kind of thing. Wednesdays, either I play soccer or do some sort of hit workout. So there's always some sort of working out involved in terms of my mornings. Um, and uh, about a year and a half ago, I started getting really bad plantar fasciitis, which is very annoying. Um, and so I started just doing, I always wanted to do yoga, but it seems to be very time consuming and like very overwhelming in terms of like, I just don't have space in my day for that. Mm. But then I found on YouTube all of these great 10-minute yoga videos. Mm. And so I basically wake up every morning, do yoga for 10 minutes, and within a month that plantar fasciitis was gone and I haven't had it yeah. since. It's crazy how it's powerful amazing. it is. It's amazing. Just a little bit. And it's just 10 minutes. So, yeah, huge. And so I don't really have any mantras, but the, the yoga has really helped as well as, like, working out for me is a meditation. So that helps too. Yeah. Um, and you know, kicking off the day with a yoga workout coffee. Yeah. And I'm a big, big sleeper. So that helps. Yeah. I think that, uh, the, and it's always mixing it up, right? With the 10 minute thing. It's mm-hmm. always like challenging you a little differently. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, sweet. So, all right, we're at that point where I start asking, uh, someone like some cool people in the Chicago area that would be cool to interview you know kind of yeah. get their whole story and perspective yeah. on things well close to the care for friends home i think uh chevelle will be a cool interview he's led a pretty interesting life oh, yeah. um paulina actually also would be very interesting because she grew up in mexico city and came over i think she studied in high school in canada and then came to the states for college so she's kind of bounced no, she around has, like her yoga training too I yeah think. exactly yeah. um so i would say both of those folks would be very interesting um Honestly, like, you just you just told me your two employees. I know. You want me to interview them? I know. Yo, I want to know your life story. I don't know, but I don't know about you yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're cool, um, which is good, I guess. Um, let's see, any cool? I mean, everybody that I, everybody that I know, I think is cool and has an interesting. Story. You have some cool. Uh, you you partner with a lot of cool organizations, right? Yeah. Um, are there any Definitely. that you... like what is missing i guess from your from your repertoire right now in chicago because like we have the the soccer team there's a lot of interesting people on there though mm. um we've got people from different countries but also uh a lot of them are in tech which is kind of interesting um then and obviously they all have a shared love of soccer um then you know um Do you have any connections at uh, chicago fire I mean, I could connect you with um, the guy who runs the league, the rec league. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty impressed by the, the rec leagues in Chicago, period, because every time I go play volleyball and I, I ride down Lakeshore Drive yeah. and I see all the volleyball set up, I'm like, yeah. 
cash money like that's ching like completely they're making so much money like some rec leagues are like struggling and like the directors are like just barely making it and then in chicago like they're crushing it they're, crushing they're it. driving range rovers like lamborghinis like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's because chicagoans love socializing and a lot of times so social like even after the sports and it's drinking they love socializing <laughs> and drinking and being kind of active so with that like yeah yeah and volleyball cool. like the the money per square foot that they're making there is incredible it's crazy it's, <laughs> it's crazy yeah, and the rec league, the Chicago Fire Rec League, I started with them about five years ago, and I mean, they were like small, and now they're, I mean, they've got leagues every single day, and back then, I think it was maybe one, maybe two days a week, maybe, and it was like barely cobbled together, now, and it, this is like COVID still, and people are like, no, let's get back on that I've field, been impressed, man. Every, like, definitely, I mean, in Miami, we have our leagues, I mean, I'm, in, I'm part of a volleyball league, uh, it took me, obviously, I like, you know, during COVID, it was hard for the leagues to be active, mm-hmm. um, and now they're coming back. But I've been pretty impressed by the Chicago scene of leagues, and you know, you love to yeah. see it. All the people wanting to get out there and be active, and it just comes down to just a healthy lifestyle. And having being part of a team is so powerful. And it totally is. Um, yeah. Definitely, we all now more of us are working remote. We have to have something to look forward to at night, something social. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great to see. But yeah, at some point. Um, Oh, this is great. Honestly, like, this is great variety. So this is exactly what the podcast needed. Like, a nice little good-hearted conversation about, you know, a real problem in society today and, you know, what can we each do about it and, you know, just kind of more and more uh, affordable housing out there, hopefully, on the, the political bills or, or you know, kind of uh, definitely that's something that, uh, you know, we can all, all use. I think long-term that's like the big macro thing that yeah, will change, change everything. So, yeah. um, love to see more and more people lobbying for that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, each one of us that does volunteer a little bit here or there or donate, we all make a difference, especially when you enjoy it. And whenever you definitely the volunteering live in person can really change people's, um, you can kind of give someone dignity just by like chatting with them as an equal, you know? Exactly. So that, that's where, you really can change people's lives sometimes just like being out there with them, you know, talking with them. So that's where your space is incredible. Um, so I'm really, really thankful that you're here because you're so close to me is that I can literally, yeah. I can bike there in like two minutes right. and uh, it's kind of a, a joy in my week. It's it's my favorite way to start my week actually. Good. Um, so I'm just thankful that you're here and look forward to seeing you next Monday. Awesome. Yeah, same. Right. Perfect. Thanks, Hope. <laughs>